Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. With me this week, as always, and I mean that more so today than I do most other weeks, DJ Mark. What's up? That's it, folks. That's it. <laughs> Let me tell you, though, in fairness, you know, now that we're, a, you know, a three-man group here, mm. you know, this is more likely, you know, just playing yeah. the odds. One person can't make it. Look, sometimes you come into your shift at Starbucks and there's only two baristas there, you know, and you, the, the, the store's not going to close. It's still open for business. We're going to make do with just two. We can yeah. do it. Uh, Mike decided, you know what? Nothing's happening in MMA. I'm not needed. No, the man had a real reason. He, he had to miss this. But I mean, if there is any week to miss just because of pure lack of talking points, this is as good as any. If there was an entire month to miss, it was this last True. month. It, it's I mean, gonna gear up. Next week's gonna be good, but we got we got to slog through some shit. Yeah, I feel so. I feel last week we looked at this card this week, and we might have lied to ourselves about like how good like shit something looked. got moved because I thought there was one other. There was fight something else was happening, like, right? Yeah, notable. Like this Andre Orlovsky fight got moved or something. Maybe I don't know. Was that that was that happened? I mean, that, yeah, it happened. Yeah. This past card. Oh, you're there's one other fight one? on here. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we thought more of Grant da- Dawson. I don't yeah. really know if I know who he is. It's it's you know it's dawned on me right now, Mark, that you know as I get emails from ESPN Plus that they're gonna you know renew my our subscription or my subscription. Sorry, you're not part of that group of cheap people at Mm-mm. whatever seventy bucks. They're just playing Dana White's Contender Series every week, and I ain't looking at one fucking second of it. Mm, I think they show highlights on YouTube, but I don't even watch those. Yeah, that that is a definitely a part of the branch. I do not mess with yeah it's uh anyway i'm trying to figure out what we lo- what we lost on this upcoming card of course we're talking maybe about we did it we're talking we of did. course about the paulo costa versus marvin vittori fight yeah um we're gonna break that down later something to look forward to exactly we're definitely not gonna break it down in about three minutes total um we might extend that all the way to six minutes um all right folks there was a card this past weekend um, a couple a couple actually bellator went out there and we're talking about bellator first year because Makes they sense. put on, undoubtedly, the more consequential fight card. There mm-hmm. was more importance to it. And I'm just going to assume, after yet another UFC fight night card in this past uh, month, um, without a fight of the night, that Belter put on a better fight. Better, better, better fight card in general. Um, yeah, apparently, um, I learned this on the co-main event podcast this morning, or listening this afternoon. Shout out. Um, three of the last four. Fight nights. Um, no fight of the night. Yeah, kind of interesting. How to really don't usually keep tabs on that. We probably that would wouldn't, wouldn't be really the worst thing it, in the world. But honestly, we were so we were so half paying attention to these cards at this point. And the only one that was a fight of the night was Marina Rodriguez versus Mackenzie Dern, which that was just like it was all right. right? It was, it was good. a good fight. But, yeah, it was a good fight, but it wasn't like yeah spectacular. Yeah. Or so yeah. Um, Sometimes the shitty cards on paper result in shitty cards. Um, anyway, Bellator happened. Um, Bellator mm-hmm. went out there. They said we're going to put our put together the finals of our of our light heavyweight Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, semifinal matchups we had were 
uh, Vadim Nemkov versus Julius Anglicus. We admittedly didn't know shit about Julius Anglicus, Mark. We learned that you can crack your boy Vadim Nemkov if you're Julius Ang- Anglicus, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think he was a injury replacement. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Rumble. Who... Rumble. Uh, Rumble, right, got, right, right, right. Rumble got sick, but it wasn't COVID or anything. Though, yeah. apparently he was dealing with something serious, which I don't want to... I mean, I think he used to have... Didn't he have kidney problems at one point back in the day? From mm-hmm. all the cutting? It, when he was cutting, yeah. yeah. He had some so health hopefully issues. Hopefully he's back soon. But yeah, Julius Anglicus, a replacement. I'm not sure how short notice, because I feel the Rumble news was at least... I heard it at least three, four weeks ago, I think. So Yeah, I don't think it was super last minute, but... Yeah, we think? didn't really know anything about him. And yeah, I only saw the first round um, in... Uh, Nemkov did get cracked. You know, he he got he took a good shot. Um, and then he shot in. And uh, you know, I think we've seen it before, but he has a pretty good double leg. You know, he shoots in pretty fast, gets good penetration, and finishes those takedowns. Uh, so he was able to get the fight onto the ground. And I think he eventually did end up winning and finishing this fight late into the fourth round um with a Kimura um from top. So that was impressive, but I didn't really get to see. All of it, so it's really, I know, I can't put a lot of analysis behind what I saw there, but he looked good besides getting cracked, you know. He's a guy that has is a really good all-round striker, you know. He, I mean, all-round fighter. His striking's really good. His ability to shoot and take the fight to the ground is key, especially in this fight where he got cracked. You know, he was able to change the whole landscape of the fight by getting on top. His top game, you know, is what you'd expect from someone who's a protege of Fedor. He works really good ground and pound, works the body to the head. Uh, does good work there, and then you know eventually did finish with a nice Kimura. So even though I didn't get to see all the fight, it's fairly impressive. You know, fighting against someone we're not super familiar with, but unfortunate him and Rumble would have been fucking fantastic. <laughs> it would have been really fun cap to this event, but you know you got to you know play the hand you're dealt. They got to so. book. They got to book themselves a little uh, Rumble versus uh, Yoel again, and you know mm, just, give, just give the winner. <laughs> Romero, he didn't look so good in his last fight. I'm like clamoring. Well, for they, that, they got, but... honestly, they got to book that fight just, and then they'll give the winner a title shot. Maybe by the time this all plays out. Sure. Um, yeah. Why not? One side of the bracket, though, Vadim Nemkov successfully defends his championship, moves mm-hmm. on to the finals. By the way, I stand by this. If the goddamn champion has to be in five round fights every time, um, everybody else should be in five round fights too. See, would only seem fair, um, although we wouldn't need it in the other semifinal fight because it did not get out of the first minute. Yeah. So uh, we all went out there, or not we? You didn't, but uh, no, we did. We oh, all did. did. This okay, is, no, this, this is not is the, the one ship you got right. we all. Yeah, nope. we all uh, got on the Corey Anderson. We all got in the Ryan Bader bandwagon, yes. and uh, we were wrong, real wrong. Um, he got hit in the face and. That was it, basically. He defended, but Corey Anderson put it on him. Was it a left he got him with? It, it was a counter right. So oh. uh, Bader kind of threw a lazy jab. Mm-hmm. He slipped the punch and threw an overhand counter right, which kind of tagged Bader uh, behind the ear. And, you know, Bader fell down. Corey followed up with some ground and pound. And, and like you were mentioning, you know, Bader shelled up, tried to get back to his knees to work himself back up, would then, you know, turn back to his back to defend there and kind of kept doing that positional change where he would try to get, you know, give up his back to work on his base to get back up, would eat a couple shots, turn back to his back to try to defend. And eventually he just ate a clean, I think it was a clean elbow 
And then he 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 bellied down, and then you know Corey poured poured on a few more, and that was more than enough the ref needed to see. And it was it was a decent, I think it was the right stoppage. Yeah. You know, you could have had Bader flailing around for another minute or so, but the the fight was done at that point. So good call, Corey Anderson. Quick to claim that he is the best light heavyweight in the world, um, which was news to the UFC light heavyweight champion who knocked him out uh, in I don't know three minutes, four minutes. And Nemkov, it's like, we still yeah. got a tournament, bro. Yeah, I'm the fucking champion. I also beat Bader, although not as quickly. So I'm sure, you know, Corey's getting some confidence there. And Is it weird that I'm more impressed with Nemkov beating Bader than I am with Corey Anderson beating Bader? I don't know why, but, like, I felt like the way Nemkov did it was just... I I don't want to say no. yeah. I don't know. Well, you I mean, you, you can try to get to like, it was maybe it was longer and I was able to enjoy it more, like... Yeah, the, both got you... He really had to defend against Bader's different skill sets whereas you know Corey was able to capitalize on a um uh a lazy jab and you know was able to finish the fight so it's one of those things that was like well you know we saw Nemkov really put some rounds in with Bader and was able to just to beat him wholeheartedly through those rounds whereas you know Corey got a good shot in followed up which was the right thing to do uh finish the fight quickly but yeah, I, I mean, Scott Coker and obviously the Bellator Brass are kind of saying like, yeah, this tournament's going to crown the best light heavyweight fighter in the world. And they have some valid validity to that. You know, their heavyweight bracket for this tournament was pretty stacked. Um, but it is always hard to ignore what is happening over on the UFC and what Jan Blachowicz, um has been able to do. Uh, but I think you also look at him and, you know, his record dating far back hasn't been, you know, spotless. You know, the loss against Thiago Santos kind of murks the wall waters a little bit. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people in light heavyweight, both in Bellator and the UFC that are, you know, right up there in the top, top of the division, especially since John Jones seems to be going into heavyweight. DC's not there. It's kind of a new landscape. So they can make that claim and have some validity to it. But, you know, with UFC and with Jan out there, it's hard to really, you know, get super behind that message. I think Jan is easily one of the best out there. But, I mean, you know, I think, if, I, I think he's probably the best light heavyweight in the world. Probably. It's weird that him beating Israel Adesanya, Israel Adesanya meant so much to me. But, like, it showed, uh, I don't know, that was, like, his real marquee fight, you know, in terms of pressure and, like, uh, eyes on him. I felt he got more eyes on that one than any of his other fights. So I was mm -hmm. how, you respond, how you respond to pressure is a big deal as a champion. And not that there wasn't pressure when he fought Dominic Reyes, but I mean, that was not on the same level of a I guess excitement or Yeah. You know, he had to utilize more of the, the tool set too. You yeah. know, he had to use the ground game too, which it kind of made you show him like, okay, you know, this is not gonna be a fight where he's going to be able just to stand and, and just knock the dude out he's going to have to kind of utilize all the skills he has and he has a you know a good repertoire of things to fall back on with the wrestling and the ability to get down control and ground and pound on top you know he showed a lot of versatility in that fight um but i mean i think nemkov and Corey anderson have acquitted themselves quite well in this tournament this tournament has been stacked they've you know been fighting you know what i consider to be fairly high competition you know Nem nemkov's last opponent you know being a short notice replacement still showed that he was a tough guy. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would, you know, bang that drum and be like, oh yeah, Bellator's light heavyweight division is better than the UFC's. But I think the UFC's has taken a bit of a hit and Bellator's has definitely gained some of the fighters that they've lost. And I think it's, I think that would be better for that claim. 
I just do. Me I mean, Corey, has some dirty Corey, got knocked, Corey got knocked out by sure. the champion. So yeah, he's had a couple fights that he's lost in the UFC. So it's hard to, to put him on the pedestal and be like, oh yeah, this is I undoubtedly. Mean, in his defense, he's got a win over Yon also six years ago. He does have that too. Right. But. Yeah. No, but yeah, so. I I'm, I'm I mean you know I mean I'm on the big I'm on the Vadim train these days, man. I'm a big fan of Nemkov. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been great. Yeah. He had, I mean, like we said, this was a good performance. You know, I think. He had to win this fight, and we did see him struggle a little bit early on, but it looks like he made the adjustments to to get the victory. And, yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, I'd love to see whoever wins this tournament, whether it's Corey or Nemkov, be able to fight Jan, but that's never going to happen. So I just, until Jan yeah. quits the UFC and goes to Bellator, but, you know. It like if, it if Nemkov goes on some sort of run here and, you know, we get, like, some heat behind him, I think they'd be happy to try to steal him from Bellator, but... Um, also on this card, um, Benson Henderson, a favorite of ours who hasn't looked good in Bellator, quite frankly, in years. Um, lost a tough one to Brent Primus by decision. But uh, congratulations to Mrs. Bendo, um, Maria Henderson, on her mm-hmm. uh, for, on her first fight and getting a win. So yeah, quick, quick win. I mean, 40 seconds and winning by rear naked choke. Like <laughs> that's a lot of work to get done from standing to on the ground to having their back to sinking choke and choking them to submission in 40 seconds. So, you know, we didn't get to see the fight. I think this was the only amateur fight on the card that I guess no, was not pro. televised. Really? It says on wiki that it's amateur. Oh, I thought it was a pro debut. They were saying mm, I mean, maybe it is. Maybe I mean, Wikipedia is not the, you know, end all be all. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have been yeah, much, didn't, didn't much congratulations it, but, about an amateur mm-hmm. win. I've been like, yeah, whatever. Well, it's all, <laughs> win's a win. You train, you, you you go out there, you get it accomplished. You win in 40 seconds. That's pretty fucking impressive. So. We'll, t- we'll talk about Bellator's next event. That's right, folks. Bellator's going to come up twice on this pod- mm-hmm. podcast. Their next event in Russia. Don't know how easy it is to travel there right now, but Russia this weekend, Bellator. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's going to happen. It seems like there's lots of hoops you'd have to jump through to make sure all this stuff works. But I mean, it's called Fedor. So it's far. called Fedor calls Putin. That's yeah. That's, I that's guess what it goes. when you have a friend like that, it's easy to get people in. Um, also, this week, folks, we saw Aspen Ladd and and uh, Norma Dumont go out there in the UFC's uh, semi-fictional uh, women's featherweight division. Mm-hmm. Um, admittedly, I'm pretty sure we said we didn't know shit about Norma Dumont. The, I mean, you picked her, but it was a partly just because you're like, somebody should pick her, right? Yeah, there wasn't a lot of analysis behind it. Um, I mean, it was just kind of picking against Ladd, I suppose, which is never a great yeah, thing. Look, but, and I think I mean, at the record, she had some decent wins, but it was nothing, you know. I mean, we can't really break down what back. happened beyond I just know that a jab and a right, a dry, jab and a cross was able to keep Aspen at bay pretty much for 25 minutes. Yeah, and, I uh, heard it was lackluster, and I was like, well, I'm not going to spend the time yeah, then to and, go uh, through So a lot minutes. of people are coming in on the. Uh, Aspen Ladd's coach, mm-hmm. um, and ooh. which we did see that we both saw yeah. a video which BT Sport good good on them cut up a video that was just the corner talk which I really appreciate because yeah. I was like I kind of want to see what all the hubbub is about but don't so, want to go through a twenty five minute fight I so, I, I guess also that um, I wanted to get the gentleman's name and now I can't find it um, Aspen see if you can pull that up on babbling here Aspen Ladd's coach um, is also her boyfriend. Or at least that's what last time people checked. That was the impression we all had. Um, and he was pretty harsh, I guess, by some people's estimation on the uh, corner advice. Or I don't know if you want to call it advice, some of it. Analysis, uh, what was being said between rounds. Um, Misha Tate said some 
shit about if this is abuse, yada, yada, yada. Misha Tate has somehow made her opinion about Aspen Ladd not something we can't trust because I don't know. We, we don't, not, no one on Mark and I don't understand why Misha Tate's so upset about Aspen Ladd, quite frankly. So we're going to. He's really her. been on her case. Yeah, we don't like. If I was just like Aspen Ladd, I would just get a, just send a tweet like, get off my nuts. Can you get off my nuts, Misha? That would have been her thing. But I guess he was um, some. I mean, I saw it too. It was a little bit harsh. Um, I don't know. I didn't think it was that bad, honestly, Mark. And I wonder if we got a couple other factors here playing where like the gender thing and also the fact that they're in a relationship too, like making people view it from a certain lens. I'm wondering that this is my opinion. Um, cause we've seen other stuff in corners before. So I don't, I don't know. I didn't think it was that bad. And it seems like most fighters seem that I saw on Twitter today were just saying, yeah, it was, that wasn't that bad. Yeah, um, I mean, what, what do you think? We, yeah, we we talk often about what advice the corner gives, and if it's you know what we think you know is best for the fighter. You know, sometimes people will downplay the fighter losing rounds or what have you. And really, at the end of the day, it comes down to the chemistry between the coach and the fighter, and their chemistry between each other, and how the coach knows how to motivate that fighter to respond to the coaching that they're giving them. So I think when watching it in the first couple rounds when Aspen, you know, wasn't doing good and her coach was telling her you're losing, you know, each, each round, she let her know you lost that round. So you're down a round, you're down two rounds, you're down three rounds. And, you know, in the beginning was giving useful advice about what she wasn't doing right. You know, she needed to get it off more. She needed to pressure. She needed to not let her stay on the outside and just jab one, two to win these rounds. Cause that's how she was winning it. Um, obviously not watching the fight, you know, we kind of just have to adhere to the, what the corner was saying, but obviously Aspen wasn't making those adjustments she needed to, to win those rounds. So the corner got more heated, which is, you know, understandable. It's, I have to imagine it's very frustrating as a coach to see your fighter, not only just not take the advice that you're giving them to do better, but like knowing in your heart, like they're capable of winning this fight. They're capable of making these adjustments that we're talking about and change the landscape and the momentum of this fight. And they, just aren't able to do it, whether it's a mental thing, which like a mental block or a physical thing that, you know, maybe they're injured and they haven't told the coach, or maybe there's a certain technical aspect that when she's stepping off the line, she's getting hit with the jab and it's making it difficult for her to set up her shots, whatever it may be. What I really took away from the advice from the corner was really, I think it was between rounds four and five, where I think it, it did get a little bit harsh. There was a lot less technical analysis going on because at that point he had kind of already given his analysis of what needed to happen. And for me, it was the body language of Aspen lad that said like, okay, at this point, sometimes you can kind of, you know, be, you know, the drill sergeant or the tough coach and kind of tell your fighter, you know, get your shit together and it'll inspire them and, and light a fire in them to do better. And then sometimes you're just berating a fighter who's losing a fight and who already has low self-confidence and is getting, and that's what I saw of Aspen. Like, it looks like her self-confidence lowered more because of how difficult, how strict and how, you know, negative the corners being. So up until that round, I was like, you know, he's giving fairly good advice. I mean, one thing I was getting fucking annoyed with is every round, his fucking mask was getting lower and lower until he just stopped wearing it at all towards the last round. And I was like, dude, just keep your mask on fucking a, but it was really that, in that in between the the fourth and fifth round where it just seemed like he was berating Aspen Lad and it seemed like it was taking her down a notch. It was not inspiring her to perform better. 
it was just making her feel shitty about not having a good day at the office. And your day at the office is getting punched in the fucking face. So it definitely combines itself to be like, okay, this is not really horribly useful for your fighter. I mean, that's the thing. And I think what you might have mentioned, Bob, or um, a lot of the fans have mentioned is the same type of coaching was given in Aspen's last fight where she was able to turn a corner and to win the fight. So I have to imagine that the coach, you know, kind of thought like this had worked before being kind of blunt, uh, but honest, super critical of what's going on has helped her make the adjustments. But on this particular night, it wasn't working. And it definitely seemed between and it. Well, I think it was also kind of difficult to watch was he even said between rounds four and five, you're losing the fight. You might have won that last round. So, like, obviously, it looked like, you know, maybe in round four, she made some adjustments and was able to get back in there. But she needed a finish to win the fight. Um, And it did seem like he was just berating her. And it did seem like her self-confidence went down, which I think was really unfortunate. I think that's where a lot of the criticism is coming from. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Lavender Gooms has joined the podcast. Sir, how are you doing? Uh, There he is. I'm, I'm doing very well. And I'm very happy that I came in at this exact moment. I feel it's almost fate. I feel what he said was not that harsh at all. It's nothing that was that out of the ordinary that you might hear a coach say to a man. If that had been a man rather than Aspen Lad, would we would there would there have been such an outroar over what he said? Mike, I mean, I right before what Mark said, I asked the question. I'm like, I I wondered if gender is a factor and also the fact that they're in a relationship. Oh, did not know that either. So oh. I don't know. I, I again, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not a fighter. I don't know. I mean, so, I feel I feel worse stuff is said from high school football coaches to fucking teenagers. So I, I apologize for just parachuting in. So this question may have been asked already. Um, I didn't watch the fight, but from everything I read, she was just doing a lot of you know. Sing, single single attacks, one punch, not really following a jab and a cross where keep was keeping her at bay for twenty five minutes. She, she she was not being aggressive at all. She couldn't. And, she wasn't big enough for this weight class that she couldn't get inside. Yeah. So, was it that what what he was saying? Was it that unfair? Was he being wrong? Was he being wrong in anything he was saying? I mean, I don't think it's the. I think they need him. To, I think people are expecting more of a pick me up. Given how bad the fight was going. Okay, but then at the I'm same not, I'm time, not people saying it was false, what he was saying. But then at the same time, where were these people getting up his ass the last time it worked out for him when he gave her some tough love and, she, and he knocked the chick out in the next round? She knocked the chick out, not he knocked the chick out, Mike. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. And, and Mike, and we were talking about before, I don't think the advice in and of itself was necessarily bad. And like you said, it did. It worked before, so there's some proof to the pudding in there. Uh, for me, my main criticism was in round between rounds four and five, and I don't know if you remember that corner. He was kind of berating her, kind of like he had before, um, but it seemed to affect her negatively. Like she, mm. she mentally seemed like it. It was not motivating her, and that's what we were talking about before. Is like you know sometimes you can get some tough love, and it lights a fire under a fighter's ass, and it gets them to perform better. At that point, it really wasn't helping her confidence at all it was like her having a, a tough time not being able to figure out the puzzle and then having your coach be like what the fuck dude figure out the puzzle do it mm. so yeah. I, I mean personally you know and this is easy you know sideline stuff i think it would have been potentially helpful if he would have taken the route more of like 
this is what you have to do, which he had done in the previous rounds. He was giving her solid advice, but it would have been maybe better for her self-confidence to be like, I know you can do this. You can right, do this. Right. Like giving her some self-confidence instead of just telling her like, what the fuck are you doing? Get it together. Because at that point, he had already tried the tough love angle and it wasn't working. He had tried giving her advice and it wasn't working. And I don't, I'm not saying like if he would have been more boosting up her confidence, that would have changed the fight at all. Like I think she was going to lose this fight regardless. It just wasn't in there. But for me, it was that body language. You can just see in that last round, she was just like, I know, I'm fucking losing, and you're up my ass, and I'm going to lose this fight. I, I wonder if he's like, this shit worked do. last time. Let me try again. Yeah. And I mean, look, I guess, like, I think there's other stuff at hand to deal with with your Aspen lad, and this is not necessarily the top of the list. She's 26 years old. There's plenty of time, but let's let's write the ship a little bit here, man. You missed weight a couple times. You should have taken this fight. Though, quite frankly, saying no to the UFC doesn't seem smart. Dana White today, uh, yeah, the other day, flat out said it. Because Carla's waiting for a title shot. Carla Sparza, she said. And Dana White's like, ah, I don't recommend waiting. You know, if we call you, you should take a fight. And I'm like, at least he's telling the fucking truth, right? I, like, have hey. no I have no doubt that she likely took this fight to get back into the good graces of the UFC. Because, you know, she did miss weight day before mm -hmm. the fight um and the fight well not even that she missed weight the fight had to be scrapped because she didn't have a great weight cut so i wouldn't doubt she took this fight just so that she can tell the ufc hey well you know like i helped save your main event um you know so that it could help her out in the future but it didn't work out for her also it colors the guy's comments a bit differently now that i know they're dating Ooh, that's always a little iffy yeah um or at least that's the last we'd heard that they were dating and also yeah, I'll be dating no more like if the fight was more compelling the corner stuff might not have been such headlines but i think because it was such a slow kind of boring fight this was something you know the articles and the commentary can kind of pull on to drive a narrative because when there's not much happening in the fight you're kind of looking to to talk about something and you know a corner trying to being really blunt with the fighter and, you know, it working or not working is a narrative lens that because that's really all I saw from this fight. I basically heard after the fight happened, this fight was really bad and the corner was kind of iffy. So like and, and all we watched, all three of us, all we watched was the commentary. We didn't watch any of the fight. So we can't really give any analysis on what was happening in that regard. And if the if the uh, corner advice had any merit in that aspect. But, you know, given what was said, you know, it, I don't think. It's bad having these conversations about, you know, what the corner's saying and analyzing that stuff. And in this particular night, it definitely didn't work, right? And it made the corner seem a little bad. Uh, but in the past, it worked. So it is just kind of one of those things. And this is what we were talking about first, Michael. It's like the chemistry between the fighter and the coach, that's really something they only know about. And if this works for them and they kind of can have a, <clears throat> a blunt conversation, because maybe their relationship is like that. Maybe their relationship is we're very honest with each other. If you're doing something I don't like or there's something going on in a relationship that I'm unhappy with, I'm going to tell you up front. And that's how we communicate. And that's how we work together as a team. And, you know, maybe in this particular fight, they were trying to use that same communication. But it obviously just wasn't working on any avenue. Right. Aspen Ladd wasn't performing the coaching wasn't getting her to perform any better and it could very well be i think you make a great point michael this was a short notice fight for her and fighting's totally mental you know she didn't have weeks and weeks of a training camp to mentally get her in the spot of i'm fighting this person at this weight this is what the arena is going to be like this is what i'm going to feel you know when it's a short notice fight sometimes 
you know, if you don't have a strong mental game, that stuff can kind of lapse on you. So I think there's a lot of factors going in. Like Bob said, too, there's a lot more interesting avenues about Lad's career than just what happened in the corner in this fight. But given not much else to talk about, it came to the headline. So it just is what it is. Aspen Lad, still the pride of Folsom, California, and a great Instagram page with some great dogs. One of them's name is Kylo Ren. So still supporting. Good. Still, still, got, still, at least he got a happy dog at home. Still, so it's not all, she got you know. a couple dogs. So uh, again, Aspen Lad, possibly the best Instagram in MMA, just for pictures of her hiking with dogs. Um, yeah, Andre Arlovsky out here getting wins, guys. Andre Arlovsky's still out here getting wins. He can do this as long as they ask him to, Mark. In this heavyweight I mean, division. He hopefully doesn't, but you know, he, he won this fight at 32 and 20. You know, it's not a career which maybe you should be going into the the, the deep, deep rounds. But I mean, you know, it's time for he's been able to get some. I mean, in fairness, he was on AEW a couple weeks ago. Junior got a match. We gotta get uh, Arlovsky in there. And don't worry, you're going to get analysis of Junior Dos Santos' match later on in this show. Because I got thoughts about Junior's future career as MMA strongman. Um, Jim Miller, 38th UFC fight. Did he win? Yeah, yeah he did. Knockout. Impressively, I heard, too. I did yeah. not see it. Got a knockout. Jim Miller, 22 wins. In the UFC, ties Damian Maya for the number two spot. Number one is Cowboy Cerrone uh, with 23 wins. I believe Cowboy has more fights in the UFC possibly too. See, that's nuts. That's a lot of fights. Yeah, it is. That's a lot of fights. It's and Jim a Miller, man, career. And Jim Miller never had a title shot. No, he never quite got there. He, he never got, was really in like top five. No, he almost really. did. Remember? Because he had like those, he had like six or seven in a row. And um, I think he lost to Nate Diaz, and that was the end of that. That was turn. well, he didn't lose to Nate, but that wasn't what derailed him. The derailment fight was uh, Bendo's uh, UFC debut, where Bendo beat his ass for 15 minutes. It was it was Bendo, you know, aggressive Bendo, um, at the height of his powers. Really, Jim Miller. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, and Jim Miller had Lyme disease, or still does. I don't think you can get rid of Lyme disease, right? You cannot. Yeah. So Jim Miller has nine Lyme disease doing this shit. Um. All right, MMA news this week. Conor McGregor punched a DJ. And yep. let me tell you guys, what I appreciate about this is that nobody is out there saying <laughs> Conor's a menace or anything like that. Because we, as a community... <laughs> the I feel DJ like, is. Well, the, the DJ, DJ and is. his wife are saying he's dangerous and not to be yeah, approached. Yeah, but here's the thing. I mean, he's probably a men- that DJ is probably a menace because he's playing EDM or something. That's what I'm saying. I think, like I think what's happened here is, one, more likely, music. more likely the answer is that we've all just kind of accepted, like, okay, well... Connor's on vacation. There's going to be a few criminal charges. That yeah, might be more. Swing on some people when you're on vacation. Right? But I think the other part of it is people are like, oh, "It's a fucking DJ. Probably had it coming. Probably had it coming. No one likes DJs." <laughs> okay. I think no one likes DJs. No one likes these new age DJs where they basically just have like an uh, like a fucking Spotify playlist and between like two laptops and like oh I'm a DJ. Like no man, give me some fucking turntables, give me a fader, give me a mixer. Fat boy give slim man, that's the only DJ records. we recognize here, Fat boy slim. No, I, I mean I don't know what to say man. Guy got arrested. I if he did it. Wait, did he get arrested? Did he even get all arrested we, or did he get he got accused? He punched someone for no reason. He got accused, right? There's not even a, a charge here. 
I I hear nothing about no arrest. All right, until they pull his passport, we'll just lies in them charges, man. What are you talking about? I mean, uh, my folks are over there right now. Actually, today they're going, or I don't know what. Yeah, they're going to Italy. I'll have them investigate. Oh, check this one's pages. Connor's out sure there. He's large dad, and dangerous. Make sure to tell your dad to keep that head of his on a swivel, because there's Irishmen throwing heat. <laughs> Connor's just out here hooking off on anybody, apparently. <sighs> I was about to do a Connor, a, a shitty Connor impersonation, but I don't have it in me right now. Um, okay. Um, Chuck Liddell, um, apparently, telling the truth on some level here, sounds like him and his uh, soon-to-be ex-wife just have a bad situation going on at home, um, but nobody's getting charged with anything based on that incident a week or so ago, mm-hmm. about a week or so ago, which is, I guess, good news on that front. And uh, best Chuck of luck to Chuck for divorce. So it seems like, you know, the marriage definitely had some problems before this, you know, physical alteration. Um, and, and like, like we, I think we talked last week, you know, Chuck said that, you know, he was the one that was assaulted. And he, I guess the police report said that he had marks on him and his wife didn't, but I think the daughter said there was a pushing match. So, I mean, it's a, he it was, said, it was she a whole said, thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's why at the end of the day, it's just like, okay, no one's pressing charges. You know, no one's going to be going to jail or anything like that. Um, and, and they're probably doing the right thing if they're getting separated, you know, which is unfortunate. But you know, what? you don't want to be stuck in a in a relationship or a marriage where it's becoming violent, yeah. um, especially if you have children and stuff. So I think they're Wish making the everybody right move. the best. For exactly. That, that is. And more news in the domestic violence section of It's Am Amazing Radio, which is just where that's we are all it is nowadays. John Jones, I think, finally said he didn't do it, or he didn't hit anybody. Mm. I think he said he said mm-hmm. he didn't hit her. Right? He didn't hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jesse, his um, there was some yelling. Did, did he just no... shake her a lot? Like, what's the? What's I was gonna say he didn't say he didn't. I was gonna say he didn't say he didn't put hands on her. The the security guard did say that she was leaking. So you got to shake someone <laughs> pretty <laughs> fucking violently for <laughs> blood to come out of them. So he's, he's okay, I'm, I'm sorry for laughing, but puncher. You said leaking. <laughs> That that is literally what I heard from all things. Like I, was I already leaking. know, I already know the human complexion of this security guard just by you saying <laughs> that the security guard said, "quote He was le- she was leaking." All right, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's the word on the street. I'm just reporting. also just to make sure semantics game here. John Jones said he didn't punch her. What, what, what did I thought he, he said? said. I think he said he didn't hit her. Oh, okay. All right. Well, all you right. think he threw a high <laughs> kick? I don't know. He did some pancreas, open palm strikes. These are horrible jokes we're making of an yeah. awful situation. I'm not trying to make jokes. I'm just trying to see how he. I'm not trying to make jokes. I'm trying to see how he's trying to lie about this. I think he said he's hit. not. Inv- he's not allowed at the gym right now. Yeah, I mean, he got. He got. Uh, was it Winkle John? Yeah. I think that was on the. We might have talked about it last. I t- t- don't remember, but he basically said like, you know, I had a heart to heart with John and said and that, he's, you know, he's like, I don't gonna... know if I'm even landed. <laughs> I think yeah, he said he's that like, too. I'm not gonna. You know, he's not welcome in the gym. Until he kind of like makes some amends or something like he he didn't close the door like he he's never going to coach him again but like he said like you know changes have to be made obviously the drinking is a big problem and I think he said like it it would be tough for me not to do that when I'm also teaching women self defense it's like you got to be pretty good because John Jones out there attacking folks so <laughs> oh, make sure you're come as good on, as John <laughs> this podcast is gonna be where we're gonna get canceled okay no no I but mean, i mean uh, that, that, say, that makes sense my, if, you're, if you're teaching women self-defense and it's like one of your main income is from a guy that allegedly you know beat his <laughs> wife it's a tough look so i think it's the right thing to do i think it's some tough love that john's needed for a while mike don't make the joke you're gonna make because i have the same joke all right <laughs> let's just continue <laughs> uh, we both have the same joke i know it too all right um other news i don't know if this is news 
But I've spent the last like three, four days here getting all up to date on the Ariel Helwani versus. Uh, I'm not sure this is a. Yeah, so everybody, much of, everybody coming at him, huh? No, Ariel and Brendan Schaub. Okay. I'm, I'm, I've gone all in here. I'm, I'm in the subreddit, the fighter and the kids subreddit, where okay. there's literally 50,000 people who created a subreddit just to make fun of how bad Brendan Schaub is at life. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm all in here. And like, I'm, I'm watching these clips from the MMA hour where Ariel is savaging Brendan Schaub and Brian Callen and the whole fucking operation over there. And like people are just writing 10-7 Helwani under everything Brendan Schaub doing in his life. I <laughs> have never enjoyed – I was laughing so hard at this. And the, all the P.F. Chang's jokes, which I finally Wait, understand. The, well, I don't get it. Whenever someone – I guess people – a lot of what people do is make fun of the way of what Brendan Schaub says and his lack of command of the English language. Um, and his inability to speak clear words. And I guess people, um, I'm, I apologize to other, uh, my other PF Changers out there that apparently people who have, uh, talked negatively about, you know, Brendan Schaub, um, and fighting, they just work in a PF Changs or they're these, uh, and they're also, or they're uh, homeless cats. That's what he refers to, who talking about you people. If you criticize them, you are homeless or work at PF Chang's. That was okay, the joke. Gotcha. So yeah. Um I'm all, I mean, PF Chang's a like a nice, fine, established chain restaurant. Doesn't seem like the worst place to work. He at. has You're the lowest rated comedy special on IMDb. That I can understand. Uh atrocious. Did, did he come did he come about that naturally, or is it just because people hate Brendan well, Schaub? Well, Brendan Schaub is just no one likes him, is what apparently what's going on too. Because apparently Ariel's just getting messages from other fighters and people who've worked with him. And Ariel wasn't saying anything, but like Brendan Schaub kept talking about how Ariel was like fired from ESPN, which didn't happen. And, and that like I think no one liked them at ESPN. Yeah, and also oh. like um he said something how Ariel's banned from the city of Las Vegas or some sort of nonsense. Ariel literally on the show last week just said, what the fuck is he talking about? And I'm like, oh, Ariel's and Ariel was talking about like, I got a degree from the best goddamn community sports communication <laughs> school in the country. And I'm like, Ariel is destroying him. And this apparently today on the show, Ariel said uh, a conversation was had, a promise was made. So I'm not going to say anything else today, which I think the promise was we're not going to say anything else because Ariel said. If you keep talking about me, I'm gonna start leaking the stuff he knows. No, and by the way, Brian but Callen, not leaking, not leaking like John Jones' no, fiance. Okay, Different type. I, I don't know how to like summarize this well enough because it took a while for me to understand all the the PF Chang stuff. The um, I think you'll be surprised. Shit, um, blockbuster. That's another one. You know, I'm just surprised Ariel's engaging with it because he's punching down. So like, here's I don't, the thing. I would Joe just Rogan, ignore it. He, he's getting it from Joe Rogan. And I think he just had – I think, honestly, Ariel's had enough of this shit because Ariel's bit his tongue on people shitting on him for a long time. Like today, Ariel's just like, Corey Anderson is going to be on the show today. Um, Corey Anderson asked to be on the show today. You know, Bellator was cool with it. I was cool with it. And mm -hmm. then Ali Abdelaziz banned his own fighter from being on my show. All right. Well, and he's like, I, he's like, I don't really, he's like, I don't really don't understand how somebody pay – you pay someone and they're telling you what to do. Yeah. Which, You're paying your manager to, hey, don't promote. Don't promote yourself. It's like, uh, okay, Ariel's one of the you know commanding voices in the you, man, sport. Uh, His show's a big deal. Nothing happened. Uh, Bell, no one's talking about Bellator and ESPN. So you better nope. hope Ariel's talking about it. 
Yeah, just, I mean, he's kind of you your know. best. He's your, he's your Showtime. Yeah. He's like your Showtime podcast. Yeah. Like, it's why, like, oh, Luke, why Luke, you... Luke Thomas's podcast does well, too. Um, but, yeah, that's fucking Showtime. Dylan, but... Dylan, Dylan Dennis is a nobody in Bellator. And I saw, like, three or four news articles today on D- Dylan Dennis talking shit. All right? I guarantee you more people know who Dylan Dennis is than Corey Anderson. Also. Really? Oh, I guarantee, I guarantee you. That's the state of sure. our society. Yeah, Paul, I didn't have a question. Yeah. Um, God, that's sad. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, if you guys want to have some fun, you go to the uh, the subreddit of the fighter and the kid. And, whoo! <laughs> I mean, woo! if I'm Shaw, I would just be like, yeah, hate on me. Because, like, as long as you're engaging with the man, it's better than what I was doing before. A- Ariel's talking about your, your, your comedy shows. He's like your comedy shows with twenty five people at them, and I'm like, Ariel's killing this man in these things. I don't know. He touched a nerve, man. Ariel does. Ariel's like, don't lie about me in my career. He says that's not how this works. He says this is how I pay my bills. So yeah, and I'm like, Ariel Hawani is much more successful at what he does. I mean, Grant than what Brendan Schaub does. Granted, Brendan Schaub's only been doing comedy for like what three to five years, but. Yeah, you could like, say one's a master of their craft and one's kind of just waiting around. Honestly, Bre- I, I would have. Brendan needs to stop with the fucking the stuff he's doing to his face. It's just. I mean, this wait, is what just, do you mean? No, I don't. Yeah. Look at a picture of Brendan Schaub. He's not looked the same. Are you trying to say he's, he's getting some... a little Hollywood? A little, I don't know. He's, he's, very ho- he's very Hollywood. He's the most Hollywood motherfucker in Hollywood right now. Well, he, he got the Hollywood star. These comedians I mean, what, they hang out with, like, all they care about is, like, well, Joe moved to Texas. Well, I mean, because I think that's part of it is like Joe he lost fucking Joe. blew up. He like lost not Joe. only is he he's one of their one of their ilk, you know, but like he's blown up. He's making mill, you know, he's making millions of dollars now with his podcast, and they're all trying to like I watch Bad Friends, which is Bobby Lee, and it's all just a jealousy fest, and they're all infected with the Hollywood. Like, oh, I'm I'm trying to get big. Why am I Why am I not getting on the big shows? Why am I not this popular or whatever? It's just it's just a rat race for them. So I I let those rats run yeah. around and do their race. I'm not interested in it at all. But uh, Brian Callen, if I'm not mistaken, accused of rape hey, by yeah, yeah, more yeah. than by possibly two people, at least one. And I think Chris D'Elia goes on the podcast a lot. And I'll happily admit I found Chris D'Elia's specials to be really funny. Chris D'Elia is out here fucking 17-year-olds or something or something mm-hmm. like that uh, to him. Well, Chris D'Elia, I saw Try to fuck a 17-year-old? The kid. I saw the fighter and the kid Instagram. He just came back onto the show. I think he was out. I think I don't. I don't know if he was banging seventeen-year-olds, but he was definitely sliding into the DMs of seventeen-year-olds. Mm, not a good look. So we got a Velveteen Dream situation. Perhaps. Man, Dalia was blowing up too. Really popular, but he's a funny guy too. Fucking idiot. Um. All right, let's make some picks. Um. Mike, articles yes. are great. So get in there. Um, oh, awesome! Yeah, did your job for you, my friend. Thank you. So we got ourselves a main event this week: Marvin Vittori, Borocchino himself, Paulo Costa. We got the angry Italian versus the drunk Brazilian. The betting odds for this one: minus one sixty to Marvin Vittori, to plus one thirty for Paulo Costa. Those are Fanduel lines ending in a zero. Don't know what happened to Fanduel today, but. Way to go, Mike. If I may ask, why did you get rid of Stefan? 
because he's not on the show and you're no 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 uh, hey 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 mike we can't you know, let, me, let me just say this right now we can't talk about this because nobody who listens to the podcast goes to the website i have the numbers to back it up so we can adjust address <laughs> this later <laughs> okay the podcast is there it's is a superfluous in nature all right that's what it is <laughs> the website i mean um mark the betting line suggests that the people are like this seems like a close fight marvin wrestles more he's the favorite that's what i got out of that mm -hmm. i mean what do you think man what's your pick for this one um i am gonna go with marvin um and it was just looking at the record and i think i know what the book is looking at and kind of picking him because yeah Marvin's a wrestler. Marvin goes the distance a lot. Marvin's gone five rounds a couple times. He's won a five-round fight. And Costa is kind of the opposite. He rarely makes it late rounds. You know, his only decision was Romero. And I think that fight was... I think that was actually a really good fight. Um, I think that's Romero was actually... They're actually going after each other. And that was actually the fight that was kind of making me think, you know, Paulo might, might have something here. I I'm picking Marvin mostly out of safety... Mostly out of if he's able to kind of control the pace and if Paulo goes out there crazy and kind of gas himself out, he's going to have, you know, if he can survive, he's going to have a great night. And even if he can't, I just think, you know, Marvin's better suited to take the shots, come out there clean, and in these later rounds have a lot more energy than Paulo Costa, who, you know, I, I think goes after the win hard. And that's what makes him such a fan favorite. It makes him such a fun fighter to watch. And I, hopefully this fight's more the same. I hope he really goes after Marvin and knows, like, look, I'm gonna, if I'm going to win this fight, it's in rounds two and three. So, you know, fuck energy for the fourth and fifth round. Let him try to reserve himself and let me try to blow him out there early. I think that's Paulo's best bet. And I kind of hope that's what happens. It'll make for a more interesting fight. I think Marvin's going to be measured, calculating. He's going to try to steal rounds by utilizing his wrestling, maybe getting a takedown towards the end, the last minute of a round and stealing them that way. Um, I just think that's a more guaranteed avenue than Paulo blasting him out early in the fight because Marvin's a hard guy to put away. I don't think he's really gotten finished early on in a lot mm. of his fights. Yeah, it looks like most of them have been decision losses. Um, so yeah, that, 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 that's where my head's at. That's where I'm going with Marvin. Um, but I, I kinda, I'm kind of pulling for Apollo to pull out a big win because um, I think he's an exciting fighter because he goes after it. You know, Even when he lost yeah. to Izzy, Dude fucking tried. He wasn't sitting there waiting for it to happen. Um, it happened to him, but you know, at least the guy put an effort out there. So <laughs> he was walking that. towards it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, he ran right into the train, but at least yeah. he wasn't running away from it. So I got I got exactly what you have for the same reasons you have, to be honest. Um, I just I also don't know what Borrachina's out these days, man. I hope he got a bigger contract. He wanted more money to main event. So I mm -hmm. hope he got paid a little bit more. Um, and for my own sake, I hope he does win. Just for my own entertainment wise. Because let me tell you, if, I'm just going to go ahead and pencil rounds four and five in for Marvin Vittori right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think. If it gets to round four, I'm just going to just, okay, we're done here. It's Marvin's winning the next two rounds. Um, but I can see Marvin get cracked. Virginia, it's hard, man. He is sure. real yes. hard. Yep. He's a killer. He could have been, he could be middleweight champion if it wasn't for Israel mm -hmm. Asanya. Yep. You know, one of, I mean, I know he's not the same thing, but he knocked out fucking. Uh, Uriah Hall standing. He did, yeah. It's, it's pure stand-up. He knocked him out. That's impressive. You know, ball. It's very technical fighter standing. Um, yeah, I got uh, I got Paulo there. I'm sorry, I got um, I messed it up. I got Marvin Mark. there. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there was a there was a little time there between the uh the lead up to the to the Costa Adesanya fight. Where we were like, hey, these are like the two top guys in the division by like a country mile, mm. but. 
obviously that went away after that fight. Sorry, um, real quick. I really still think we. I want that Whitaker Costa fight to happen one day because I think that'd be really that'd good be fight. That'd be a really good, good matchup. Well, Todd, apologize, Mike. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Uh, with a fight, honestly, I think that's close. I went with a different factor, and in this case is who still has sour grapes from their fight against Adesanya. And between these two, it seems that Vittori is the one because... Agreed. <laughs> in the lead he's up not even to, the one who got humped. <laughs> in, in the lead up to this fight, which is not against Adesanya, Vittori is still talking. He says he won. Demon. He thinks he won. That so, shit won't close. <laughs> that leads me to believe that his head is not completely in this fight. And Paulo Costa is not a guy that you go in there with thinking about somebody else. As long as he shows up sober, we're good, right? Possibly. Yeah, so no, you got Paulo? No, no vino yeah. before the fight. He should be okay. Okay. Now, this one's going to be tough, folks. And we're not picking anything else on this card. All right? We root for Bruce, Bruce Leroy, though, even though he's a big underdog. Right. And I feel we should pay attention to this guy you mentioned, Mark, because he's a massive favorite, Grant Dawson. Yeah. And we know I mean, who Rick Glenn is. I think he's like 11-1 at lightweight. I mean, it's... it's and we know Rick Glenn. A... Rick Glenn's a good fighter. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's a... That's interesting. Um, all right. Fedor in Russia. Fedor. emphasize that. <laughs> Against Tim Cop Mustache Johnson. All right. Three rounds. Officer Tim Johnson. Okay. <laughs> Taking on the great, the last emperor in Moscow. Three That's rounds. Russia, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You got Fedor? What's his last name? Emelianenko. That's Russian, right? Yeah. What happened the last time Fedor fought in Russia? He lost two rounds to Fabio Maldonado and won a decision. That's... I think he lost all three rounds, actually. To Fabio, no, he Fabio for was... sure lost all three rounds against Fabio <laughs> Maldonado. Now, this is I want to I want to chime in here with an interesting little note I, I see here on Wikipedia for that fight. Result unofficially ruled a draw by the World Martial Mixed Martial Arts Association. However, that decision has not been uh, recognized by the Russian MMA Union. I have never heard of that fucking institution before <laughs> the world mixed martial arts uh association neither have i mike <laughs> wait are they are they the ones doing the trophies every year for the or that fight i don't know maybe i don't know okay. i don't know <laughs> outside of fedor being knocked out and then as well, how do you fucking win out, tim johnson wins fights man out, yo and I would not put it past that they are drugging the tap water in tim johnson's hotel room with a very just slight roofy colada. All right. Fedor is winning this fight by hook or crook. I mean, yeah. Okay. Mark, you joining us here on Team Corruption? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's unfair <laughs> to think, you know, the judging might be a little skewed in Fedor's favor. Although, you know, uh, looking at Tim's record, uh, his last win was against Czech Congo in Paris. So you think there'd be some favoritism there? Now it was a split decision. No, this is this is the French. <laughs> the French is black. They're exactly. Not, they're, they're like the, the French have their own racial the French, the French don't think him French. They think him African. Yeah, exactly. Mm, well, That's like, what's going okay, on in France. Okay. <laughs> um, but I will say, you know, Fedor's chin is highly questionable. You know, Tim Johnson is a heavy guy that you know can can bust a grape. So I think there is you know some likelihood that you know Tim gets it done uh, just on the feet. 
Um, outside of that, you know, if he can't finish the fight, I kind of agree with you guys. Like, regardless of how the fight goes, the judging might already be the the cards are already written and have been brought in. I would be surprised if this fight goes to the judges. How long it takes for those scorecards to come into effect, or if the or if the announcer is going to be like, okay, the fight's over. Let me go ahead and announce Baker one, and we'll wrap this up, and it's we'll like get Rocky for election. a nice vodka soda. Or it's something. like an Iraqi election with Saddam Hussein. Ninety eight percent, yeah. Mm-hmm. For him. Um. Last fight was for the interim Bellator heavyweight championship. Um, by the way, Bellator is doing something with their lightweight championship because Pitbull doesn't want it anymore. Wait, what? Mm, he's like vacating. I, he's vacating. I think he said he didn't deserve it. I don't know. Wait, and then, I thought the light heavyweight champ was Nemkov. Light, lightweight. Sorry, lightweight. Oh, okay. Because he lost the featherweight one to AJ McKee, mm-hmm. and he gave up the lightweight one. And they're booking his brother who's coming off a loss versus another guy who's coming off of a loss. And then somebody else is the clear number one contender, and he's not in it. So whatever, hmm. no one cares who was the champion in Bellator. It's it's like it's like with Game of Thrones. There must always be a Stark and Winterfell in Bellator. There must always be a pit bull. Yeah, you know, going going for the lightweight title. Yeah. Anyway, um, so did right. we all pick Fedor by corruption? Well, or I, I think, like you said, like I'm imagining a. Well, Mike's <laughs> suggesting that if he gets knocked out, he still wins. So Mike's imagining a no, weekend at Bernie, that, a weekend that, at Bernie that, situation where we throw some that's, shades on Fedor and whole problem. Like that, that's, <laughs> if Stefan was here, he would bring up the old, the first UFC game on Dreamcast. Yeah. If you had like a Game Shark, there was a code you can put in for you that you always win. So you can have a fight and get knocked out, and you still win the fight at the end. They show the replay of you your ass getting knocked out. Dude, like, Mark, I kind of wish I had a Dreamcast just for that game because mm-hmm. you, you, I, you get tired pretty quickly because it is rough. Do you still have it? Probably, but it's like it's a it's a Dreamcast UFC game. It is not good. All from, see- from THQ when they took it over, it got significantly better. I just want to say, no, I mean, you listen to this podcast, you maybe weren't, weren't an MMA fan back then. Hell, Mike wasn't. I just remember fucking Pedro Izzo was so difficult to beat in that game, all right? No matter what I did, it ended with Pedro Izzo standing over my unconscious body. Okay? <laughs> it was fucking terrible. <laughs> well, Pedro was in the game. Ron Waterman was in the game. How, yeah, I mean, all, how the, bad all the greats from back then. <laughs> was Chuck in the game back then? Chuck and Tito? Uh, I don't know if he was in the first one. Tito was. Tito Randy wasn't. Red, Randy wanted Randy to wasn't in it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was like Gary Goodridge. The guy that Goodridge knocked out was like this Native American fighter who had like two fights in the UFC. It was kind of a hodgepodge. Do you remember, of... um, was it the UFC th- the third game that came out for THQ? Was the one that had pride mode? Yeah, that was undisputed. Okay. That was, really that was the best one. Easily. Straight up. Easily, Easily the best game. Um, But I remember when you were doing the career mode, like... If you were take you were champion, they'd offer you title defenses and like it'd be the really best mm-hmm. of the best in the UFC. Or then they'd say, Hey, or do you want to go to Pride and do like a Grand Prix? And that was the move to do because the Pride fighters were all worse than the UFC fighters in that game. <laughs> I defended that title like I, I went down and fought Gary Goodrich so many fucking times in Pride. That's what I want to play. Yeah, That's the one I, I play. What was that for? Bring, uh was it was that? 360, uh PS3, and what sucks is a couple months ago the there's four? huh? It's not on the four? No, and you oh, can't fuck. play PS3 games on yeah. there. Um, but what sucked was like when they were saying, like, oh, we're going to take down the PlayStation Network on PS3. I was like, ooh, I should snag that digitally because like I still have the disc, but it's, at, mm-hmm. you know, it's packed away up in my parents' attic. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, I want to play that game. I'd love to get it. You can't buy it digitally. It is not on the store to buy digitally. Ugh, I, and so it's like, oh, I got to dig out this disc. My PS3 is broken. It's almost impossible to play now. So but it was a good they, really, they really made it where you couldn't play PS3 games out. on PS4. That was such a... 
I don't know. Sony does some stuff sometimes, man. Um, anyway, um, all right, stuff we like, guys. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about Back for Blood. Sure, we all we all got yeah, a, a hand in there. We all got at least a, once. We all got a Back for Blood. Okay, folks, Back for Blood. Um, Marcus is going to talk more intelligently about it. Go. <laughs> Uh, Where, how yeah, did this I mean, game come to be? <laughs> yeah, we we, we kind of talked about it previously. Um, the developers that made Left 4 Dead, uh, Turtle Rock, uh, Left 4 Dead was produced by Valve um, and kind of owns the rights for Left 4 Dead. Um, so Turtle Rock made those games. They were very successful. And it, really interesting, 1 and 2 came out like within a year. So I remember when they announced 2, I was like, shit, like, that came out really fast. Like I'm not even ready for 2. I'm still enjoying 1. Uh, and they were both fantastic games. And, you know, what Valve often gets kind of heckled for is that they can't count past two because a lot of their big franchises end at two. Half-Life ended at two, Left 4 Dead 2, Portal 2. They seem to never fill out the trilogy. Um, so there was kind of, you know, a groundswell of people that wanted that type of game. And now there, there's been other games like it that have a four-player kind of co-op where you're kind of fighting a swarm of AI. There's a quote-unquote AI director that is kind of changing the game and when enemies appear and what happens to you depending on how you're doing in the game. Um, but there hasn't really been a proper sequel. So I think it was like three or four years ago, Turtle Walk announced that they're making their their own version of that that's not Left 4 Dead, but it's Back for Blood. So it has all the same kind of marketing uh, the Left 4 Dead had, um, except you know it's being published by a different company, Warner Brothers. Um, so they're basically kind of doing the, the thing that everyone kind of wanted them to do. And after having played it, it's very much that type of game. Uh, they've added some new wrinkles to it, which I think are appreciated. Um, mostly being that, you know, you do have more than four characters. The first two games just had four characters that you had to play as those four, and there's eight in this one. Um, the characters do have, you know, weapons that they bring into each mission um, to kind of like, you know, make them a little unique. And I think they all have unique abilities, whether it's like more ammo ca- uh, capacity or reviving people or holding more med packs or what have you. Um, and then I think the big wrinkle in the game is this, this whole card system where basically each time you get to a safe room, you get to, you get to have your own decks. The decks have cards. The cards are like little boons that you get for your character, whether it's just like adding more health or quicker reload time, uh, more involved ones usually have like a couple perks than one negative thing. So you can kind of build decks that kind of, curb one way or the other like oh i want to have a mobile deck so i'm gonna have a lot of cards that help me be faster and um, my stamina you know refreshes quicker i'm gonna have a a deck that's more power based and my bullet damage is going to be doing more um and what have you so those are interesting things and then each room each little sub level that you go through will have these corruption cards which kind of give you challenges that the ai has so like One time it might be, you know, everyone has to survive the run. No one can get incapacitated. Sometimes it's, you know, find the special item and bring it back to the um, safe room. Or it could be a couple things like, oh, there's heavy fog. So your visibility is lower or there's going to be special infected or the special infected are going to have unique abilities or whatever. So they're, they're doing more things to make each run more different than just the AI and the placement of enemies are going to be different each time you do it. Um, and then for what we played, which we haven't really played a ton, there is more of an emphasis on story than there was in the other games. Um, Left 4 Dead 1 and 2 um, kind of historically told a lot of its narrative through dialogue that was e- either dialogue between the characters as they were going through a level or written dialogue on walls that you go in the safe room and you'd hear, you know, sometimes they'd have multiple safe rooms where it's like, oh, the same person is writing these messages and I'm kind of getting 
a story I'm putting together about, you know, what happened to them and their struggles with the zombie apocalypse. But other than that, it's, it's been fun. You know, I mean, the core mechanics are very much the same. You do have iron sights, which weren't in Left 4 Dead 1 and 2. There's a larger variety of weapons that you end up picking up on your runs. And while you're doing your runs, you also get different attachments. Um, so the runs do kind of have this um, roguelike kind of nature to them where each one's going to be different, not just because of who you're fighting, but what weapons you pick up along the way, how you upgrade those weapons and that stuff. So it, it's given enough wrinkles to kind of make it interesting, but none of us have gotten super far into the game to say, you know, if the narrative yeah. is any good or anything well, like that. Honestly, it's everything I wanted it to be. As, I mean, if they, I mean, short of just making Left 4 Dead 2 again, it was basically the game I wanted it to be. I thought it'd be really fun for all of us to play together. You know, we went out there, we were successful. We sacrificed Mike at the end. Well, I'm not sure we sacrificed Mike as much as uh, Time Warner Internet sacrificed Mike. Right, Mike? That's really what the culprit was. Here. Let's not disparage Time Warner Internet. Let's disparage Spectrum Internet. Spectrum Internet. There you go. Yeah. Out of Philadelphia, I think. Um, yeah, but uh, I thought I had a really good time. It was... I like the new. I like the new additions because I'm a lot. I'm one of those people who will kind of ignore a lot of that shit. I think I get like, I don't do any of that card shit and like Madden and stuff because I think it's fucking stupid in that. To be honest, because it's a goddamn game where these people exist. Why are they getting boosts? Um. Anyway, um, I thought it was pretty cool. I uh, I play as the old woman, mom. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she got an extra. She carries an extra health pack because you know you need it. Um, but I thought it was really fun. Mike, did you, were you, we were, we were playing Left 4 Dead, right? Back in the day, right? We were. Um, yeah. we played it for, we played Left 4 Dead 2, yeah. um, right, for the 360. Yeah, that was fun, man. Um, what'd you think, though? I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think I, I don't really see myself ever playing it by myself. I don't see oh, myself playing a single player by myself. I never but, played the other one by myself either. I don't. Did you, Mark? Did you play Left 4 Dead 2 by yourself, really? No, I, I mean, I, I probably did with bots every now and then because bots are decent at shooting stuff, but they don't help with objectives yeah. at all. Like, they'll, ne they'll never take a key and open a door yeah. for you. You have to do all that shit yourself. Um, but I'll, I'll play with randos. Um, okay. My experience there has been mixed. The first game I played, like the guys were talking, I was like, okay, I'll jump on Mike and, and be a team player. And this one kid was so fucking obnoxious. Like me and this other guy just immediately shut up and was like, all right. And I think I, I told Bobby at work, like I was going to mute everybody, but the other guy on uh, that we were playing with, like was just vibing with this dude. Like this dude was being really obnoxious. Like, oh, you might not have noticed. I've played this a few times before. He wasn't good. He was just being obnoxious, like, oh, like, maybe you don't notice. Oh, guys, come over here. There's an ammo pack. And the other guy's like, okay, cool, man. Cool, 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 cool. And he was just vibing with them. So I was like, okay, I kind of like how this guy's not getting fucking annoyed because I'm fucking annoyed. This guy's such a. I, I like that. Uh, this castle. Guy, Mark was playing with George Takei, apparently. <laughs> That's what I enjoyed the voice. <laughs> I can't. I can't admit. He, I, like, he had a voice and a personality that said, like, he's probably, like, doesn't have a lot of friends, probably kind of like. <laughs> Not antisocial in the way like he wants to talk, but like people probably just put him down a lot because like his personality is just kind of just rubs you the wrong way. He kind of just talks like yeah. he knows everything. And it's like, you know, I didn't say this. Like, I've been playing Left 4 Dead since like it's been over a decade. Like, I kind of know you shoot the zombies. And you have to keep moving and shit. But, you know, I didn't want to get into it. The other guy was vibing on him. He, he was having a good time. So I'm like, I'm not going to poo poo on anything. I'll just be along the ride and shoot my zombies. So, hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. I mean, that was oh just my. top notch. Oh, George my. Takei, really? 
of all the oh days my. throughout there, I mean, you're right, but wow, that was very random. I saw some article about him shitting on Shatner the other day, and I was like, right on, yeah, George. Called, called him fat. <laughs> yeah, called him fat. <laughs> George, fucking William Sh Billy Shatner finally makes it to outer space, and we got this hater just in the yeah. back, like, you look real fat in yeah. your fucking space suit, fatty. Move over, fat ass. <laughs> Don't breathe all the limited oxygen, fat ass. <laughs> but back for blood. It was, yeah. it was really good. It was real fun. I look forward to when we can all play again. Yeah. Marcus, you got any other stuff for this week? Let's go to you. Uh, yeah. I, there's really only one other thing that kind of popped up that I, I started really enjoying. I, I feel bad. I don't think any of us and Mike, maybe maybe you have, and it would not be bad for our uh, SEO. Still haven't watched Squid Game. I, I know oh, it's I good. I know it's good. Everyone's oh, telling it? me. No, I haven't. Yeah, I was going to. Mark uh, did. Mike did. Mike did. Yeah, Mike, Mike did. did. Yeah, which maybe you can expand. Like, I'm excited to watch. I know it's good. I I've heard enough good things from people that I, you know, their recommendations hold a lot of weight. Um, but it's just, I, I know it's kind of more of a drama, kind of more serious. So those shows are always a little, I have to be like in the right mood set. Um, and and a, a type of show that I'm always kind of down to give a shot it's comedies. I, I love comedy. You know, a, a nice haha -ha is always going to be more appealing to me than like, let, let's deal with emotions and feelings. And a, and a nice haha -ha show, um, I found out when our uh, friends from San Francisco, Josh and Jess, came over. There's this HBO show called Avenue Five. I don't know if you guys heard about it. Um, I don't know who's the actor that played House. Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. Yeah. So he's he's the he's the lead actor in this one. And basically, the, the short premise is. Um, he's a captain of a starship that's like a cruise ship. So it's kind of like a cruise ship that goes around space. Um, and then things go awry and, you know, he's trying to figure stuff out or whatever. Uh, it's just a really fun comedy. And I think there's a lot of people in there that you guys would definitely recognize. Um, who is the Bobby, the guy in uh, Silicon Valley that could fuck the big tall? Oh, um, Zach Woods. Yeah, Zach Woods is in it. There's this, If you watch an episode, you'll see like, oh, there's a lot of people on here that I kind of recognize. And it's, a, I mean, if someone hasn't, if someone hasn't watched Silicon Valley, <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm like just the enjoying the what they have just learned about the show based on that. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I mean, there's another character like this. He's kind of this unseeming I mean, guy. And you the guy's you like, describe them. You describe them not as like the chief marketing or like the the, the No, I don't think guy. we should explain it either. That's fine. You just he's the guy the who can fuck. He's the guy who fucks. He's the guy I who can fuck. That's it. That. So, so no, someone's gonna watch Silicon Valley in like two seasons. And like, they, this guy one has not shown anything about fucking. They haven't mentioned him having intercourse with anyone or talking to a woman at all. And then there'll be one episode, and you're like, okay, now I get why. This is the one thing that you know, yeah. DJ Mark put put out. Um, but I just I have not finished the first season. There's only one season. It is on HBO Max. Um. It's super enjoyable. I've really liked it. Every episode, you know, laugh out loud moments, you know, at least three or four per episode. If not, they're just funny bits that, you know, maybe I'm not laughing out loud, but I'm thoroughly enjoying. So, yeah, I definitely recommend Avenue 5 if you haven't checked it out. Uh, I will second. Um, you will enjoy Squid Games. Uh, I, I know. I know you mentioned, like, oh, it's a very emotional thing. I mean, th this shit ain't Bridgerton, all right? Like, it's emotional, but, I mean... The, the actual squid, like the actual games itself, mm -hmm. it gives it a very nice break from a lot of the emotion. I would imagine I mean, from what I know about that show, like the games seem like they'll be kind of the action, potentially comedy points. You know, oh, I know they're kind of violent, but no, no, no comedy, nah, no, no, no funny when no. someone gets died in a silly there's, game. There's no funny. This isn't wacky deaths. 
uh, in this show. But because really? I know I, the first game is I, red light, green light, so it seems like there'd be some kind of hijinks going on. No, no, no. I, 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 I gotta see. I don't know. I just all I have is what I've. Absorbed. Well, it dep- depends what your definition of funny is. And if you find it laugh out five funny, we need to search your closet for bodies. Okay, okay. My closet's open, baby. <laughs> Mike, what else you got, man? Um, Mike's still laughing at my George Takei line like ten minutes later. <laughs> that was that was pretty good. Um, I will give you guys a to be continued. I started watching Dune last night. Um, I need to watch the first one before the new one comes out, too. I mean, this this one just came out, Mark. What do you mean? Did you watch the new one? I thought it comes out on Friday. Oh, well, Uh-oh. you yeah, got an I early release. How'd you do that, Mike? We're not going to ask any more questions. Maybe I it came out say, in Mike, Europe isn't, this, isn't, this, isn't there a whole lawsuit? Is this even going to HBO Max? Is this going right to theaters? It is. I think it's going to Max. I'm pretty sure. I but it did release. It already released in Europe, like a month early, which is kind Mike's of in London, folks. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, he's international. I mean, I guess what I meant to say was that I was watching the old version of Dune, mm, okay. and I thought, you know what? I can't wait until the new one comes out. And then this we can bunch. all talk that's about it next week. To be, that's why I said to be continued. So I'll yeah. come back with my review of it next Monday when the movie has come out. Good job, Mike. Way to go. Um, all right, folks. This is the wrestling part of the podcast. Um... Lock out the MMA connection first. Mike, did you catch Dynamite and Rampage or just one of the two? I caught most of both. Okay. Yes. So just let's go straight to the Junior Dos Santos part of this. Okay. AKA Sagat. Yeah. Junior came out dressed like Sagat. All right. People appreciated that. Um, my favorite thing about Junior in the match was that he's supposed to be a bad guy and Sammy Guevara got a hot tag. You know, which if you're not a wrestling fan, just a some, some quick way of describing it. But a bunch of cool shit's about to happen. All right, you're coming. He's hot in the match. He's gotten the match. He's hot. Sammy Guevara's doing all these cool shit, and Junior forgets that he's on the other team and gets excited and puts his arm <laughs> up like, "Hey!" <laughs> that was pretty nice. Yeah, that was my favorite part. I think for Junior, honestly though, Mike, I was for a guy who never wrestled before. He did really well. I thought he did really well. He had the same problem all a lot of MMA fighters have when they do matches is that they don't know how to throw worked punches. So his punches kind of sucked. It took Shayna Baszler like two years. Like just now, Shayna Baszler, I believe her punches um, to do it. So I think if Junior wants to do this, Mike, I think he could. Well, you know, it's always, it's always I think, a little weird for those people that actually do it for real. Like... I remember, I remember in gym class when I was in high school, the baseball players all sucked at slow pitch softball because mm. they're so used to hitting like 80, 85 mile per hour like heaters mm. that when they just get a fucking ball just like lobbed to them, like they would always just strike out. So I think yeah. it's the same with uh, MMA fighters with uh, with um, with wrestling, you know, yeah. where it's hard to make it make it look real. But it's fake, the thing that you were actually doing for real before. Yeah. Um, I think Junior looked good. Uh, I think he, he took that one really good body slam off from uh, Jake Hager really well. And then I think he offered one in, in return. He looked pretty athletic doing it. So He went hey, through a fucking was... table, too. Yeah. He got, he, got, he got Uranagi or Rock Bottom through a table. So that was pretty cool. Jake protect him a lot there. Yeah. Um, 
This is, and with the MMA guy, people that are showing up on AEW, uh, Masvidal threw a hit of hit a flying knee again. And if he's gonna wrestle this match with Jericho, if this seems like where we're headed, November thirteenth, he's gonna turn around four weeks later and fight Leon Edwards. I I can't see that happening, man. I mean, we gotta see, but I mean, maybe we do it on TV when uh, after. The, I don't know how you're gonna do it. Maybe you're gonna do it sooner. Maybe you're gonna if, do it at the end if, of this month. If that's if that's the case, then Masvidal will not be taking any type of bumps. This isn't gonna be. You know, Shaq uh, yeah. going through going through a table yeah. off of the off of the ring like he did against Cody Rhodes. Yeah, that's. I mean, we'll see. Um, Paige Van Zant is really good at this. She's getting a lot. Like, yeah, she's getting a lot of heat as a, as a good heat as a yeah. heel. Yeah. Um, I I like her gimmick of whenever they go and jump people in the inner circle that uh. she just starts taking selfies. Oh, uh, it's actually pretty yeah, nice. She honestly, I, I guess Dan Lambert was on Ariel show today and Dan was there. To, Dan is killing it, by the way. Dan is such a good shit talker. Um, but they asked about Paige and he said, Paige is made for this. And he said, Paige, when we we're going to go out there, Paige, I, Paige asked me, what do you need from me? And I told Paige, just go out there and be a bitch. And like, she was killing it and Jericho was shit talking her and they need to get a woman for Paige to wrestle in the inner circle. Um, and the whole match was great. Um, one more thing. I'm sorry, Bobby. Just one more thing on Paige. I thought was fucking hilarious on, I think it was Saturday uh-huh. when uh, Jericho uh, cut cut his promo. Uh-huh. When, when Jericho is cutting his promo and talking shit to Paige and he tells Paige, uh, oh, you got a little thing for, for Chris Jericho for the inner circle. Well, I wouldn't touch you with your husband's genitalia. Mm-hmm. Big pop happens. Big pop. Then it dies down a bit, and all you hear is it a sigh from CM Punk. I don't believe him. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. CM Punk was hilarious on commentary. That's a good thing. Um, <laughs> um, I uh, if Jericho used to Jericho. The stuff Jericho said in the nineties and two thousands to Stephanie McMahon on TV is oh my god. Whew. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was really good. Okay, um, the other part, just the general wrestling thing. This week was really fun for those of us who lived through the late 90s and the Monday Night Wars because WWE decided that they're going to have SmackDown go an extra half an hour uh, just to fuck with AEW. And they did a commercial free and they put on Sasha Banks versus Be- uh, Be- Becky Lynch, which is one of the biggest matches they could put together. And then they sent Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns out there right afterwards, commercial free. AEW in retaliation said, hey, an hour before our show starts on YouTube, you can just watch fucking dream match, Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki, which Mark, uh, which Mike, that was art. That, uh, match. that was a pretty good No fight. one took any bumps. Yeah. There was like three bumps in the entire match. They were just making, they were just chopping each other and elbowing each other. It was fucking sick. They did that. They put on a pre-show, and then you know they sent CM Punk out there in the first half hour of Rampage, and they won. AEW beat SmackDown in the ratings for that half an hour. WWE got embarrassed. They picked the fight, and the guy running AEW, Tony Khan, is taking a victory lap, Mike, which is objectively hilarious. Uh, he is rubbing it in their faces. Because they came after him. This is two times WWE came after them. And yeah, and and Tony WWE's Khan. Tony Khan. He was on, I think, uh, one of the Barstool Wrestling podcasts last week, 
talking about it and I learned the term that I guess is a is a is a very old wrestling term uh WYW watcher wrestling and I guess Tony Khan is a very big proponent of that it's like oh, hey, that's his own thing He's oh is that guy. his own thing yeah okay well it, it sounds like something that's very old mm. um but yeah like I guess he, he's not trying to go head to head with them but hey if they want to pick a fight you know he'll he'll come out swinging and uh Roman Reigns talked some shit this week, in character, but still talking shit, where he said, AEW, just a bunch of little brothers there, I could throw them all out of the club. Junior Dos Santos, Junior Dos Santos immediately said, hey, Roman, where's this club? <laughs> Which, I mean, Roman can't say shit there, and then Roman, woo, Ruby Soho beat him, <laughs> or tied him in the ratings this week. Ruby, it was so- it Ruby was Soho and the Bunny, which I love Ruby Soho and I love the Bunny, but the thought of the Bunny tied with Roman Reigns in the ratings is it's it's hilarious. Um, I think we're still five days out. We do we have another show or is it this week where the WWE emba- embarrasses itself for money? Uh, I don't think we have Dynamite again on Wednesday this week. No, I meant uh. The Saudi Arabia show. Oh, yeah, that's this week. Um, that's this week? It's not next week? I believe it's this week, isn't it? N- yes, because um, the finalists for the King and Queen of the Ring happen are being made this week. The, and isn't thir- that happening at Crown Jewel, the final, or no? Thursday, October 21st. Okay. That would be that would be this week. Yep. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh, they're gonna make Goldberg. They're gonna make Bobby Lashley lose to Goldberg. The same. That's gonna happen. All right. Do we get to talk about something consequential next week, Mark? Is that what's happening next week? Do we get to talk of something of consequence? Yeah, it's a good card next week. I think that's the the free pay per view card. Uh, not I, free. I thought the we first pay for one... we oh, pay ESPN for ESPN Plus. Plus. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But not <laughs> an additional it... charge. Yeah, so, like a fight night, if you will, like a top quality fight night that's getting the pay per view number attached to it. And that's the that's the um, yeah. Let's let me real quickly mention yeah, I don't on this have card it in front of me right now. We got a main event of Jan Blockowitz, Glover Teixeira, for that UFC light heavyweight championship. Right, right. We got a co-main event for the interim bantamweight championship of the world. Peter Jan. Corey Sandhagen. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that those words out loud, Mark. This is gonna be a fun stand-up fight. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a banger. We got Dan. I'm surprised he's he's gonna be able to fit through the arena doors with his big nuts hooker taking on Islam Makachev. Mm, that's right. Nobody wants that fight. People don't want to fight Islam. You do not look good. We got Alexander Volkov, Marcin Tybora. We got Li Jing Lang getting sacrificed to Kamza Chimeev. Um, assuming he's okay, because he's the one who got fucked up by COVID real mm-hmm. bad. No, of all guess, the okay. of all the fight of all the fight cards to make free, why this one? I mean, this one's a pretty good. One. Time, you could probably actually get some money for this. I think you put enough Europeans on here. Time difference. I mean, I think they just they've been serving us shit sandwiches now for the last month. They're doing a pay per view the next week too, so they're like back to back. So I'm guessing they're thinking it's going to be hard to squeeze people two weekends in a row. But yeah, I don't know why this wasn't earlier this month or what the logistics of it probably because the venue in europe is it in europe bob that's that's the shtick here no this is uh abu dhabi 
Okay. So then maybe there's time difference here also. Okay. They yeah, might as well. Be... I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, how okay. much do you think they're, how much they pay in Jan? You know, is, is I mean, decent, not, but nothing no crazy. Points to give them this time. They got, man, what if Glover Teixeira at mm. age, what is he, 42? If he wins, Bobby, Bellator has the best light heavyweights in the world. <laughs> I don't know. Glover, man, the nicest light heavyweight out there. Um, and also Vulcan's opening the card. It's a six-fight main card. I guess it doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, we got Amanda Rebus on the undercard there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot. What time does this shit start? There's a lot of fights on this card. Like, there's that 14 fights. On, there's 14 fights on this card. Oh, Jesus. I mean, it's a morning card, though. I'm going to make myself an omelet. Omelet and coffee. I'm, just, I'm a big fan of watching fights like that. Um, yeah, we're talking about that next week. Um, until then, everybody, please be safe. Please get vaccinated. Um, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was the Tardy Lavender Gooms. We see y'all next week. Peace out. See ya.